You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics while taking Christian truth into the arena of ideas. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast. And this is your host uh, for our time together today, yours truly, Brian Chilton. We thank you for joining us on today's podcast. Hope you're doing well wherever you may be. I do want to tell you that the Bellator Christie Podcast is a production of of bellatorchristie.com. I haven't had a little glitch uh, getting started. Hopefully that will uh, subside, uh, whatever that may have been. But anyhow, uh, once again, the Bellator Christie podcast is a production of bellatorchristie.com. We do encourage you to go and uh, check out the website. And uh, as you're there, be sure to click subscribe and um, let people know about our podcast, let people know about our website. We would greatly appreciate that. If there are any articles that uh, bless your heart uh, that you see is... Um, uh, beneficial. We do ask that you would share that on your social media page, uh, just again to let people know that we're out there, what we're doing. And so I also want to thank uh, thank uh, Shane Lacroix for filling in for me a couple of weeks ago. Of course, last week we didn't have uh, the the live podcast or the commentary edition of the podcast. This past week you were probably, if you noticed, bombarded by uh, two or three messages as we're trying to uh, get caught up uh, from, from the messages, kind of behind a little bit on the messages that we've, that I've been posting. So, uh, you had a double shot of messages there. And so, um, uh, you should have that available to you. Also want to let you know the Bellator Christie podcast is, uh, available to you. If you're listening to this on the website, want to let you know about several podcatchers that you can catch this, uh, podcast on. Uh, we are available on iTunes, uh, tune in, uh, we're also on Stitcher and uh, Google Play, uh, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, and Google Play. Those are the four podcatchers. And also, if you have a uh, Android uh, tablet, if you download Podcast Addict, 
which is a wonderful program. I think it's associated. It may be associated with iTunes. I'm not. I'm not 100 sure on that. But uh, Podcast Addict is a great means to catch the podcasts as they've become available. Uh, so you can go there, check check us out. You can subscribe to the podcast by doing that, and uh, by doing so, you'll catch all the podcasts. If you if you're not as interested in the articles as you are the podcast, that's a great way of taking the podcast with you. We do also, I mean, I do encourage you to check out the articles uh, that we have available. Uh, we, I, I'm doing a series now at this website on the authors of the New Testament. My good friend Jason Klein has submitted a series of articles uh, that's going to be talking about of, um, of, of, of tempering one's ambition and in finding the rest that we can have in God. Um, okay, uh, bear bear with me. I'm having a few technical difficulties on the recording device. I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but uh, ho- hopefully it will resolve itself as we uh, move on through the podcast. But as we get started, uh, wanna, again, want to let you know about the website. Uh, we do have that going on. Uh, Jason Klein has a series of articles he's going to be uh, posting this month. I'll, I'll be continuing my series. So there's a lot to catch uh, there at bellatorchristie.com. And we do highly encourage you to go check out the website, check out the podcast, and be sure to share. If you'd like to donate uh, to the podcast, to the Bellator Christie Ministry, we encourage you to do that. Uh, you can go and just email me at Chilton C-H-I-L-T-O-N, at bellatorchristie.com, and uh, I'll get you set up with it if you'd like to uh, donate to the ministry, or if you'd like to have me come speak, uh, or, or one of my associates come speak, or we'll be glad to do that as well. Uh, so again, you can contact me at Chilton at bellatorchristie.com, and we'll get you set up. I want to get you, uh, as we get started, before our commercial break, getting into the main thrust of our topic today, uh, what, we have several newsworthy items that need to be... Uh, discussed as we do try to primarily provide you information on theological and apologetic issues, but there are a lot of things going on in society right now. It seems like uh, (laughs) the more you look, the crazier things become. Uh, One one thing, I do not have a smartphone, okay, and uh, there's a reason why people ask me all the time, why do you not have a smartphone? And... uh, uh, okay, look looked like it had another glitch there. Hopefully this thing, I don't know what's going on with this program, uh, but hopefully whatever it is, like I said, hopefully it will resolve itself as we go through the program. Uh, the uh, recording system is wanting to lock up, so hopefully, again, that will resolve. But uh, people ask me all the time, why do you not have a cell, uh, smartphone? I have a cell phone, but I don't have a smartphone. And one of the reasons it, that I don't have a smartphone, basically, is that I think they can become too addictive. That's my main reason for abstaining from a smartphone. Now, I do have a tablet that I use, uh, but it is simply on, you know, Wi-Fi based. And so I have access to several things so long as I have access to Wi-Fi. Uh, but uh, I heard about this on K-Love Radio uh, according to a recent report by psych, uh, Psychology Today, your smartphone can actually make you stupid, <laughs> from what the research uh, is saying. Uh, let me read you a little bit of what this says. Uh, cognitive, and this is by, are smartphones making us stupid? 
it's a, at psychologytoday.com, uh, written by Christopher uh, Bergland. Uh, cognitive capacity and overall brain power are significantly reduced when your smartphone is within glancing distance, even if it's turned off and face down, according to a recent study. This new report from the University of Texas at Austin, uh, titled Brain Drain, uh, colon, the mere presence of one's own smartphone reduces available cogni- cognitive capacity, uh, in a title, was published in the Journal of, Associ- of the Association for Consumer Research. Uh, during this study, the UT Austin researchers found that someone's ability to hold and process data significantly improved if his or her smartphone was in another room while taking a test to gauge additional control in cognitive processes. Uh, participants who kept their phones in a pocket or bag also outperformed those who kept their phones on the desk while taking the same test. Again, even if the phone was turned off and face down on the desk, the mere sight of one's own smartphone seemed to induce, quote-unquote, brain drain by depleting finite cognitive resources. In June of 2016, another study reported that the typical smartphone owner's interacts with his or her phone an average of 85 times per day. This includes immediately upon waking up, just before going to sleep, and often in the middle of the night. And he goes to say in uh, italics, for the record, although I hate to admit it, I am a heavy smartphone user, and these statistics accurately describe my waking and sleeping phone habits. Uh, let me read one more thing uh, by Andrew Sullivan. He says, We all understand the joys of our always wired world, the connections, the validations, the laughs, the information, but we are only beginning to get our minds around the costs. So we all have in taking a media sabbatical from time to time. I'm coming off of a vacation, and I can tell you, man, I feel refreshed uh, because I didn't really touch the tablet except for maybe a little bit in the afternoons, or I mean, really in the after in the evenings, excuse me, and uh, in, in maybe you know once to finish up a message. I, I you know I uh, was on my computer, but that was it. And I'm telling you, I feel refreshed mentally uh, and spiritually having put it down. That doesn't mean that we have to completely abstain from these things. But as the old as the old uh, cliche says, or as the Book of Ephesians tells us, even everything in moderation. And so, when we get obsessed, it only makes sense that it can make us dumber. And I think a lot of this, truthfully, um, has to do with our dependence upon the machine, uh, these tablets, these cell phones, to provide us information. We're not retaining a lot of information because we're depending upon this device to give us the information as we need it. So I can see where that would be an issue. Uh, in other news, Eugene Peterson, uh, the author of the paraphrase, uh, The Message, is under hot wa- in hot water. Okay, we had another glitch. Hold on just a second. Let me see. Okay, well, let's see. I hope it caught everything I was saying there. Okay, um, and in other news, Eugene Peterson, the author of the uh, paraphrase "The Message," uh, is 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 quoted as saying, as he supports same-sex marriage, uh, which most evangelical Christians they hold to the biblical 
the biblical insights, the biblical uh, um, definition of marriage. And uh, again, my apologies. I don't, don't know what's going on with the system here. It is it is very, very glitchy today, so we'll just try to get through this the best we can. Uh, but uh, again, Kate Shelnut uh, says that uh, Eugene Peterson does not support same-sex marriage. Uh, and he, she goes on to say that, uh, well, quotes Peterson is saying, Recently, a reporter asked me whether my personal opinions about homosexuality and same-sex marriage have changed over the years. I presume I was asked this question because of my former career as a pastor in the Presbyterian Church USA, which recently affirmed homosexuality and began allowing its clergy to perform same-sex weddings. Having retired from the pastorate more than 25 years ago, I acknowledged to the reporter that I haven't had a lot of experience with it. To clarify, I affirm a biblical view of marriage, one man to one woman. I affirm a biblical view of everything. RNS columnist Jonathan Merritt had asked Peterson if you were pastoring today and a gay couple in your church who were Christians of good faith asked you to perform uh, their wedding ceremony, is that something you would do? Peterson had responded with one word, yes. Okay, so, uh, you know, I, I, I think in this issue, I mean, obviously this is a heated topic. Uh, both sides are, are, are very heated on this issue, and I think that uh, and he, there's even a recent column that came out saying that, uh, that, that, that he's passive in this, uh, in this issue, and I don't think necessarily that he is. I think that he. I think there there must come a balance. We must stand for Scripture, but at the same time, you know, we we must remember that we are to love everyone. That doesn't mean that we condone everything that everyone does. Uh, but in this regard, I think that we need to give. Um, and I think this would be a good a good tool for all of us. If we made sure that we allowed the person to speak for him or herself, uh, and in this case, you know, Peterson said that he held to a biblical definition of marriage, and I think that we should grant him that. Now, if he changes his mind, then that then, then obviously that would be an issue. But I think that we need to allow again a person to speak uh, for his or her him or herself and uh, not take things out of context so you know i don't know I, you know does he affirm does he not affirm i, I don't know uh only he knows and you know and um, god knows his heart so that's the most important thing so uh, obviously there there are people who would uh, you know combat this and you know and um for what, what i just said and say you know he needs to be stronger about it and you know, I just for the record, I affirm a biblical standard of marriage. You know me; you've listened to the podcast. You know that's to be the case. Uh, you know, but but nonetheless, you know, I think we need to at least before we. I don't think we ought to go out on these witch hunts, and I think that's what's happened to a lot of people. Okay, and I, I think we need to let a person speak for himself or herself, and grant that person the ability to state their own views, and then rationally rationally be able to uh, answer any questions that may arise. And so um, we, we live in a very hostile world, and um, that's for sure. Um, but uh, and speaking of which, a recent panel says lawmakers may use campaign funds on home security. And speaking of which, you know, 
those who call conservatives crazy and things of this nature, they're, they're arming up against many congressmen. And, of course, this goes back to the uh, the time when majority House Majority Whip Steve Scalise was shot at a baseball practice outside of Washington. And according to K-Love News, a panel says lawmakers may uh, use campaign funds on home security. And uh, trying to pull this up. I'm used to having a bad technology today, today folks. Um, lawmakers can use campaign funds to boost security at their homes, says a federal panel. Uh, the Federal Elect Election Commission voted 5-0 on Thursday to let lawmakers use campaign money in to install or upgrade security systems at a reasonable cost. And I think it's unfortunate that that is the case, that that needs to be done today. But I definitely think in this society in which we live, you know, uh, I, I, I'm surprised that it hasn't been done already. All right, with that, uh, there's a lot more that we could talk about, uh, and, and we may be posting some articles on some of these things that we've discussed. But for right now, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll be right back uh, with the main topic of today's podcast, and that is on facts, feelings, and faith, which takes prominence in the Christian life. So we'll talk about that here in just a few moments right after this brief commercial break. You're listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast. Are you looking for something that will train you in Christian apologetics but you don't have time to commit to a long-term program? Do you want to learn more about the philosophical, scientific, and historical reasons for the Christian faith? If you answered yes, then plan to attend the 25th National Conference on Christian Apologetics, entitled Defending a Faith That Thinks. It will be held October 13th and 14th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, sponsored by Southern Evangelical Seminary. Among the speakers include Michael Brown, Norman Geisler, Gary Habermas, Ken Ham, Richard Howe, Greg Kokel, J.P. Moreland, SES President Richard Land, Jay Richards, Hugh Ross, Frank Turret, Jay Warner Wallace, and more than 30 additional speakers. Early bird pricing lasts until August 1st. For more information, go to conference.ses.edu. I plan to be at the 25th National Conference on Christian Apologetics. I hope to see you there. Once again, this is October 13th and 14th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Go to conference.ses.edu, a national conference on Christian apologetics, defending the faith that thinks. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Our great nation was built on these simple principles. So was our university. Find your greatness at Liberty. Online or on campus, discover more at liberty.edu. It's the difference between a job and a career. All right, welcome back to the Bellator Christie podcast. Uh... <laughs> I am glad that uh, this episode is recorded, pre-recorded, <laughs> instead of being live. Uh, as I was 
as we were going through the commercials, the commercial break, uh, I had a we had, I had a major breakdown with the computer. I, I was using an old computer, which was probably my first mistake. I have a newer laptop that I've been using, and it does a, a lot better job, a lot faster. Seems like you know it seems, but um, <laughs> had a major breakdown. I, I don't know what was going on with with the other computer it normally does a, a good job with, uh, with with the recording device but um, but this time it, it did not want to cooperate for whatever reason and so uh, uh, <laughs> while we were at break uh, <laughs> obviously I had to stop the recording uh, and switch to the newer computer well the newest the newer computer was going undergoing some updates. Uh, whenever I turned it back on, it was finishing those updates. So I took a shower. <laughs> I've been outside working, so uh, I took a shower while, <laughs> during a commercial break. So I'm refreshed. I'm ready to go. And so uh, let's let's talk about faith, facts, and feelings. A good friend of mine, Jason Klein, is uh, you, you've heard him on the podcast. I hope to get him back on the podcast. Uh, we've been talking about uh, God's communicative. Uh, abilities to with with his with his people and one book uh and we're taking a biblical stance on this not some of the weird bizarre um not the weird bizarre things induced with new age that you see uh with 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 many things in society now um but but looking at it from a biblical perspective, it's obvious that, that the Holy Spirit does communicate with us. Now, this doesn't mean that we undergo chants and mantras and, and things of this nature that, that are more in the area of New Age. But we do need to be open to the, the moving of the Holy Spirit you know, uh, and, and, and things of that nature. But uh, he told me about a wonderful little book by F.B. Meyer. And I think this was originally written back in the uh, 1800s, maybe? Late 1800s? Um, it has a date, 1847 to 1929. So I'm apparent, apparently that may be the uh, lifespan of F.B. Meyer. F.B. Meyer, just a wonderful man of God. He wrote a book called The Secret of Guidance. And this is this is a neat little book. I'm not completely finished with it, but uh, it has about a hundred and it's, it's a very short read, 124 pages. Compared to many books, it's a very short read and easy to read. But in chapter four of the book, he talks about uh, something. It's, it's a chapter entitled Fa- "Fact, Faith, and Feeling," and there's a great theological aspect and apologetic in this. Uh, and let me just read this to you. He says, these three words stand for three important factors in character and life. We all have to deal with them in one form or another, but it is above all things necessary that we should place them in the right order. And by this, he's saying that one precedes the other. There is the starting point, which leads to something else, uh, which is furthered into another aspect. Okay, so what is the starting point? And he rightly says that most people try to put feeling first. 
with as much success as if they tried to stop the, or to, excuse me, tried to build the top story of a house before lay, laying its foundations. So in other words, you start with a foundation, you build on that foundation, you go all the way up to the roof to the top floor. Uh, in their order, the world's order is feeling, fact, and faith, or feeling, fact, and faith. You know, in a world of fake news, you know, that, that has a lot of emphasis in today's time, fake news, things of that nature. It's often the case that people will develop an emotional attachment to a certain thing. Maybe they're engaged in some form of sin, and and uh, they they like the feeling that this sin produces in their life. Okay, so they start with that feeling. And then they move from that to defend whatever feeling that it may be, even though they know that it may be wrong, their action, their action may be wrong. But to defend that feeling, the feeling that they have, they then move in either one or two directions. They then either, from that feeling, they begin to develop and manipulate facts to support their feelings, which in the end would, would develop into a faith or a dependency upon whatever uh, twisted facts they have made to support the feeling that they are trying to uh, continuously endorse. And the other, the other alternative to this is that you have a feeling and then you develop a trust in or, or, or with this thing or per, perhaps even a person. And then you, from that dependency, steadfastly defend or manipulate the facts to defend the trust that you had in the feelings. <laughs> there are so many different ways we could run with this. Uh, you know, th- this, I think the first thing you see when the, with the feeling, fake, fact, and faith... I think you see this a lot in politics today. I think you see this a lot in the realm of politics. You, you see individuals who will, uh, they may have known someone who's done something and they want to support whatever it is they're, they're defending. And so then they'll, they'll manipulate facts or they will take certain facts and um, will take certain facts to manipulate them in certain ways to support their preconceived notions. People do this to the scriptures all the time too. That there may be something that they have, there may be an idea that they have grown an attachment, uh, there may be an idea to which they have grown an attachment and they, and they manipulate the data to support this particular idea that they have, which they've grown an attachment, uh, to which they've grown an attachment. I think you see this a lot of times in the whole... Um, Calvinist Arminian debate. You know, uh, uh, people will take uh, the systematic theology and then they will ignore biblical passages that may say otherwise, or they will do hermeneutical gymnastics, interpretive gymnastics, to get around that. Well, I think that is a an ideology, a political or even theological ideology, that is first based upon feeling that has been manipulated, that manipulates the facts, and then to 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 support that dependency upon the feeling that was supported. But it's an emotional. The problem is 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 it is that it's an emotional driven, emotionally driven ideology. We see this in politics. 
I think that is why this this political environment is so toxic. I think that is why individuals have even gone to extremes of even wanting taking lives because of an ideology they've adopted. Because it's based not so much on facts, but based much more on preconceived feelings. Preconceived feelings. And so, and so it's a, a vicious cycle. The facts are never seen. As Jesus says, they have, they have people who are caught in this, they have eyes, but they don't really see. They don't really use them. They don't really see with them. They have ears, but they really don't hear. They have hearts, but their hearts have not been molded and bendable or not malleable to receive the truth when it comes to them. Okay? So it's a very dangerous thing. And I think we see the other one is, is just, as, just as dangerous. And I think we see this more in the line of family relationships, uh, especially um, that mis, uh, mis, uh, dysfunctional, or I was going to say malfunctioning, but really more dysfunctional relationships. It, it, this, this, again, is based upon the feeling that a person has for, a, for another and so that feeling develops into a trust, a dependency upon that person. It's a blind faith. It's a blind trust. I think a lot of people get involved with cults over this same issue. They start off with the feeling. They like the person. The person's very charismatic. Most cult leaders are very charismatic individuals. That's why charismatic individuals can be dangerous if they have bad motives. They can be used of God to do great things, but they can also be very dangerous if they have bad intentions. Charismatic people, you want them to like you. In fact, I remember Christopher Burcham. I was talking with him, and he talked about, spoke about how he has met uh, from since the time of Nixon forward every president that has served since that time. He's very into politics, loves politics, and uh, and is really into that. That's his thing. And he's, he's told me, and he's even been on this podcast before, mentioning how many of these individuals are very charismatic individuals, so much that whether you agree with their politics or not, you, you want them, you want to like them, and you want them to like you. They're just that charismatic. But the problem with that is that you start having this feeling this feeling, this desire to be liked by that person, for that person to like you, and that develops, that's the basis upon which you develop a trust, a faith, and then, even if that person does something horribly wrong, you're going to ignore it, that the facts are very, <laughs> are very little to a person who's adopted this mindset. Now, this is where this becomes very dangerous, in the realm of cults, this is very dangerous because Jim Jones, I mean, and and David Koresh, the indivi these individuals who have such a powerful draw upon individuals, they don't see the warning signs, they don't see the writing on the wall, they don't see the facts that are before them because they are so blinded. People ask all the time, how do people fall for this? Well, it's because they follow this format in basing truth, feeling, fact, and faith. F.B. Meyer pegged it a long time ago, about a hundred years ago. He's dead on the money. Feeling, fact, and faith. A lot of times this is also dangerous 
in another regard, and that is in dysfunctional relationships at home, especially if you have an individual who is abusive. Uh, I had a friend who was in the highway patrol uh, many years ago. I haven't seen him in many years. Hope he's doing well. And uh, he told me that one of the most dangerous places for an officer to go is in a domestic abuse situation because there may be cases where the husband has just completely battered the woman beyond recognition but once the officers go after the husband she then turns on the officers why why do people stay in that environment well it's because they have adopted this feeling fact faith uh, excuse me feeling faith fact paradigm for the believer the healthy way of finding truth the healthy way of, of establishing something that is certain, something that is true, or at least beyond reasonable doubt, is to take the matter that F.B. Meyer suggests in his book, The Secret of Guidance. He says that, um, that the Christian, the Christian faith, the, is, is, is built or should be built in the following format. He goes on to say on page 58, and I quote, the only possible order that will bring blessing and comfort to the heart is that indicated in our title. Fact, start with the facts, which leads to faith, which is a trust, which will produce feelings. In this regard, he says, God's facts laid like a foundation of adamant, or of adamant, we could say you said that. Our faith apprehending and resting on them joyous feelings coming all at once or after the lapse of days and months as God wills. And he goes on to say that there are a few facts that may help us first to faith and then to feeling. Number one, it is a fact that God loves each of us with the tenderest and most particular love. If Jesus is the Son of God, which I believe evidence proves that he is, if he rose from the dead, then and, and, and what he said is true, then we see that God loves us with the tenderest and most particular love. He goes on to say, It's a fact that in Jesus every obstacle has been removed out of the way of your immediate forgiveness and acceptance. He says it's also a fact that the moment a person trusts Christ, he is born into God's family and becomes a child of God. He goes on to say that it is a fact that God takes what we give and as soon as we give it, he also says it is a fact that in Jesus Christ we are seated in heavenly places. We have that assurance that once we receive Christ that we have eternal life in Him. And he goes on to say that it's a fact that there is a share in the gift of Pentecost waiting for each member of Christ, that there is that infilling of the Holy Spirit that can come to each believer. Okay? So... I think you can also develop this into an, a, a deeper apologetic saying that you can base this on the evidence for God's existence. You can base this on the evidence for Scripture. You can base this on the evidence of Jesus, the historicity of Jesus, the historicity of the New Testament. You can also base this on the uh, the facts of the miracles that have taken place. Craig Keener has done a wonderful job in his two-volume work on miracles, the credibility of the New Testament accounts. Highly recommend you get that the series if you if you can it's kind of expensive but it's well worth the investment uh, but in that he shows several facts that have been proven that miracles have been done in the name of Jesus 
Okay, so, so there are these facts that are available to us. But this, these facts develop into faith. It's not merely an intellectual assent. There must be a heart commitment uh, that stems from the facts uh, in, in the Christian life. He goes to say uh, that uh, faith is more than a creed. Uh, in a creed we believe about a person or circumstance, but in faith we repose our trust upon a person. Okay, so it's not just merely that intellectual assent. You must go forward in that uh, to trust in that particular person, i.e. being Jesus Christ. Faith concerns itself with a person. Okay, it's a trust in a person. True faith reckons, he says, on God's faithfulness if you can trust God in the things that, that he has already said, the promises he's already delivered, then you can trust him in the things that are happening in the future. Faith bears forth fruit. And so uh, a person who has been redeemed and transformed by the grace of Almighty God is going to produce fruit. Several passages of Scripture we can use. Uh, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Anyone who uh, abides in me will produce much fruit. And, you know, he says a good tree produces good fruit, referencing the believer. A bad tree will produce bad fruit, referencing someone who doesn't have salvation and doesn't have the Spirit of God living in his, his or her heart. Uh, it is not difficult to obtain faith like this because it comes from the Holy Spirit. Faith is preeminently the receptive faculty. I would agree with that. Some people may not. Um, uh, in John 1, 2, he quotes, "...as that many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name." Okay, and so those things that, based upon the facts, which develops into faith, produces wondrous feelings. And I think these are even the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control. These feelings, these these disciplines, in fact, stem from a heart that has trusted, has placed its faith upon the Lord Jesus Christ. I think he's pegged this down pat. Uh, feelings, uh, feelings, he says, Meyer says, uh, as a rule, faith bears fruit in feeling. Romans 5, 1 and 2, being justified by faith, we have peace with God, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. 1 Peter 1, 8, believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Okay, He goes on to say, happy and blessed uh, feeling is the effect of a spirit's work on the soul. And here again, we've already mentioned this. This is the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, that peace we find in the Holy Spirit is a feeling that is developed after trusting, depending upon Christ, which is based upon facts, facts that are presented to us, uh, that the Spirit of God even presents to us. But the lack of feeling does not always indicate that we are wrong. He says there are causes, as we may have seen, that account for our depression. It may be that Christ would teach us to distinguish between love and the emotion of joy, uh, between joy and the rapture of joy, between peace and the sense of peace. And so he makes that distinction there as well. Uh, seek feeling, he says, and you will miss it. Be content to live without it, and you will have all you require. And um, here he goes to say, If you are always noticing your heart beats, you will bring on heart disease. If you're always muffling against cold, you'll become very subject to chill. So in other words, I, I think he, what he's saying is we, we shouldn't become so obsessed with our... Um, this is going to sound weird when I say this, but I think what he is saying uh, 
is that uh, you, you shouldn't if you you shouldn't expect to always feel love, always feel joy. You know, in other words, you, as people have said, happiness is is a temporary emotion, and that doesn't mean that it's necessarily bad. But it's not the lasting purpose that you find in God that comes from joy. Okay, so. Um, uh, and, and he gives some cautions. He says we must be still before God. Uh, we must take time to be alone with God. And I agree with that. Uh, he says we must escape the din of the world to become accustomed to the accents of the still small voice. Uh, he goes on to say, that, basically saying, you know, that's, some, pe- some people have blown that out of proportion. But what he's simply saying is to be in God's presence. That's what that means. Spend time alone with God. And we need more of that, folks. Uh, we must be possessed by an eager desire to serve Christ, and I agree with that. We must also have a the promise in our heart. Uh, search the Bible for some holy word that, uh, and see how God would speak to us uh, through his word. That's what he's simply saying. There's so much we can say about this. And I think, there's, I think that this is a healthy manner in which we should live. And not only with with Christ but in all things. Now that doesn't mean that if you have a loved one who is engaged in something wrong that you just you know you just cast them out or something like that, but but if you don't engage with the bad behavior, you're simply enabling that person to continue doing wrong. And a loving person wants the best for those around them. And so I I agree wholeheartedly with FB Meyer. I think that this is a great Standard not only for seeking truth spiritually, but really for seeking truth in all things. As we go back, as we went back to uh, Eugene Peterson, you know, giving them the benefit of the doubt. You know, a lot of people are so, and you know, and what my main, I don't think I conveyed my my uh, my thoughts there very well because of the problems that were going on with the, with the computer. But I just simply want to say that not only with Peterson, but in all with all people, we need to give each person the benefit of the doubt to see what they have to say instead of trying to uh, talk over them. And that's a great problem in our society today. You know, you wouldn't want someone to take what you said and bend it out of of, of what you were saying, and and neither would Peterson or anyone else. It may be that he that he's standing for something completely different now than he did many years ago. I'm not saying yay or nay about what he said. I'm just saying we should hear him out and give him the benefit of the doubt instead of automatically jumping on some on a bandwagon against him. We need to stop having these witch hunts against one another as believers. That that's what I'm simply trying to say. What we need to do, as, as we see with Christ, as Christ has worked in our, our lives, the Holy Spirit has worked in our lives, as we had in this faith, which we should have had, we experienced, we encountered the facts of our faith, even if it was just the impression of the Holy Spirit that led us to salvation, we dealt with the facts that was before us, that were before us, which led to a trust, a faith, a dependency, which produced certain feelings. That is a healthy way to seek truth, not only in the spiritual matters, but in all things. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie podcast produced by bellatorchristie.com. This is Brian Chilton saying God bless, and we'll see you back next time as we step into the arena of ideas.
this podcast do not necessarily represent those of bellatorchristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi podcast is a production of bellatorchristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Michaela Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas.